Good morning. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord with all of you this morning. And you know what? It's a little warmer in here because there's more bodies in here, and that's okay, isn't it? I think that's a great thing. I'm okay with it for sure. Hopefully you are as well. We'll all survive. It's okay. It's not like it's 100 degrees outside or... Oh, wait, it is. That's right. Never mind. Um, soon it won't be, all right? Soon it won't be. Uh, this is a great morning to begin reminding yourself as you get up to leave service at the end to find some people that you just don't know and to get to meet them. I know I've got a, a, a visitor here, if you will, this morning, a blast from my past. It's kind of fun, so see who can figure out who that is in the room. I'm not going to tell you because that wouldn't be any good, um, but just, just try to do that. It's a great thing. And there was something I, I, I mentioned years ago, actually. I can say that now because I've been here for three years ago, way back in the day, something that uh, I, I hope that, that you guys begin to do again, because for a while you did it, and I know for Krista and I, it was really nice, because it allowed us to meet some people from in the room that we didn't know already, and that was this. Uh, last time I checked, maybe not as much today, but last time I checked, most of us, after we leave here, will do something called eat. Yeah, we, we typically do that here in America, and so it is such an awesome thing after church to meet other people from the church for lunch somewhere, whether it's meet actually at a place and eat lunch, that's fine, support the local economy, nothing wrong with that, um, or it's throw a crock pot, you know, throw a roast in the crock pot before you leave um, on Sunday morning and invite somebody to come back over afterwards. What a great way to fellowship and get to know people outside of this room um, of your own choosing. Nobody's forcing you to do it, but just, just extend yourself a little bit, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Meet some people that you don't know already. It is a blessing to do that, I promise you. It truly is, all right? And just last reminder, uh, Bible studies start this Wednesday, and we want you to be a part. If you haven't signed up yet, it is not too late. We will definitely still accommodate and, and get you here and, and uh, be a part of those things. I know I'm super excited about it. Chris and I both started rereading our materials again and getting prepared for this week ahead, and we're, we are excited. We're ready to go. So hopefully you'll be there to join us. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the Word of God. Father God, as we come together and open your Word together um, and realize that hope is here. It's not a physical location. No, it's, it's the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of His Spirit in our lives, in this world, in this place that brings this hope to us. We thank you for that. And if there's anyone today listening that has not experienced that hope yet and maybe finds theirself in a place where uh, hope is, is missing, then maybe today is the day that the Spirit moves them to a position where that hope becomes real for the first time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, this is also a fifth Sunday, and we're going to try really hard to make a habit of on these fifth Sundays, besides doing special things like biscuits and gravy, to invite our older students up into the room with us to worship with us and to study with us as parents. And so, parents, you can set a great example today for your sons and daughters and grandchildren, whoever else might be joining you, as you open the Word of God, as you use that notes card or your own piece of paper and take some notes, show them how to study, how to learn, how to grow. And kids, don't hesitate to make sure your parents are following along. You know, you might need to keep them on task, right? So they, they haven't been in school in a while, so they might get a little distracted. So feel free. You know, send them, mom, mom, pay attention. Mom, put your phone. Mom, go right ahead. Or dad or whoever it is in your family that might be the one that is distracted in the moment. I, I want to officially welcome you to the beginning of this Back to Church series. The series is called Hope 
is here. In the next four weeks, counting the day, that's what we're going to be studying. Now, I personally, I really enjoy being a part of this movement. If you go on Back to Church Sunday onto their website, just Google Back to Church Sunday, it's there, then you're going to see that there are churches all over the nation that are all kind of participating in the same thing over these next four weeks. Everybody's going to make an intentional effort. Now, this is an effort we should be making every single day, right? But they're going to make an intentional effort to invite their communities to join in and join them for worship. Now, coming off this last year, something happened this last year. I don't know if you remember or not, but coming off this last year, it has been difficult for a lot of churches and a lot of individuals to come together and to worship at least in the way they would like to, right? So an invitation back to church for many people, it really is just that. It's a, it's a powerful opportunity. This has been a year where people have been unable to even gather in, in public spaces like they normally would. They faced hardships like maybe never ever before. And the really unfortunate reality is for so many, they've had to do it alone. And that might be the biggest obstacle that they're still struggling with. The church, the, the bride of Christ, hopefully we all know it's not about a building. It's made up of His people. It's about a collection of individuals who claim Jesus, who trust in Jesus with their lives, and then choose to support one another in this community that we call the church on this journey that we call life. As the church, we get to welcome anyone. Think of another organization, another place that you exist in where you can literally welcome anyone into your midst with the love of Jesus. Doesn't matter what that person is going through in life, what kind of suffering, what kind of hurting, what kind of difficulties they find themselves in. Doesn't matter who they are, what they've done. We have the privilege of welcoming them, welcoming them into our presence with the love of Jesus, no strings attached. Think about that. Think about another environment where you can do that and not only not judge them, but love them instantly just into his presence. You see, when we come together like that, we find hope. We find hope that empowers us to overcome anything that life might throw at us, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So welcome to church today. You and I are part of something so much bigger and so much greater than ourselves. If you've never stopped to think about that, you really should. You and I were here for a very specific reason, even on this moment in this day. So I said a moment ago, the series is called Hope is Here. And I would argue that one of the greatest needs, if not the greatest need in this world, especially after the year that we've all experienced, is that sense of hope. We have to have that in this world in order to survive. Some of us have experienced incredible loss throughout this year, and we don't want to make light of that. It's been troubling for sure. Some of us, it's caused us to doubt things, even our faith at times. Things that we used to hold on so tightly as truth, now we're beginning to wonder some of us do feel broken because of the pain in our life, in our country, and even in the greater world right now. We can't ignore that. We can't as a church just pretend, oh, there's Jesus, all that just goes away. It's just, no, he never asks us to do that. And if you were able to join us last week, then you know we, we, talked about, talked, we shared the story of a, a young lady named Jan Markowski, and she's on, was on America's Got Talent. She's battling a very aggressive form of cancer, and she had these words of wisdom last week that I shared with you. She says, even though her life is a complete mess, there's very little hope of her even living to tomorrow, she looks at life this way. She doesn't deny the pain of today, 
but she's not going to deny the hope of tomorrow either. And that is the way we've got to look at this world. That's the way we've got to look at this life. We've got to have that hope, but that hope is only found in Jesus. It reminds me of a story that I read in preparing for this message about a, a gentleman who went to a Little League baseball game. And the kids were playing their hearts out. The game just didn't start off so well for one of the teams. You see, they were already down 16-0 to zero in the first inning. They were getting completely destroyed. So the man went over to the dugout of the losing team, asked a little boy, hey man, are, are you a little discouraged? And the boy kind of looked at him, puzzled, and said, why, why would I be discouraged? He goes, we haven't even got to bat yet. Is that how you look at life? See, there's always hope, right? Or at least there should be if you're in Christ. That's one way to look at the challenges of life. Yes, it's a very superficial, simple way, but honestly, our faith isn't that complex. We can look at life that way. The church, she, throughout all of history, has had the boldness to hold on to that hope in the face of trials and troubles, the likes of which you and I in America can't even dream of. And right now, that very church is facing those exact trials and struggles across the globe in a country called Afghanistan, and in Africa, and in North Korea, and in China, and in Iran. And yeah, it's not just one place. It's all over. You see, the reason the church has this great hope, it, it all stems from this, this moment for Jesus when he was able to declare victory over death as the resurrected Christ. You see, when things looked the absolute darkest for him in his hour on the cross, as he faced certain death, he knew it wasn't over. The tomb would not be the end. He would, in fact, defeat death and come back to life. Now, throughout all of history since then, the church, as its backdrop, has that hope, the hope found in the Gospels. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus living this out. He was always offering hope to those people who were around him, whether it was someone who was crippled or disabled, someone who had some tremendous disease. Was it the oppressive government? Was it the physical or spiritual hunger that existed within the people? Maybe it was even demon possession or physical death. Jesus would find a way to meet those people right where they were, and then those people that came into contact with Jesus seemed to understand that if Jesus was with them, then there was this hope that seemed to exist. And they just longed to be near him and to hear his voice or to touch his garments because there was something about him that provided this hope that they couldn't even explain. Here's what's really awesome. Can I just tell you real quick that Jesus is here now? which means there's hope here and now. But you see, life is hard. Would anyone agree with me? I mean, any of us have been to the ER lately? No, life can be hard at times. Sure, there are times where we need a little reminder that there is hope out there. Life circumstances have a way of trying to rip that hope away from us. So I want to begin by reminding us of something. If you and I are in Christ, then the hope that we have is solely from Him and only because of Him, and the world cannot take Jesus from you. Amen. Students, did you hear me? Younger children in the crowd, 
Jesus cannot be taken from you. Once you accept him into your life, he will never leave you, never forsake you. And this world is going to try with all its might to rip him away, but you just don't let go because he'll never let go of you. You've got to remember that. If we adults lose hope, it's because you and I have given up, not because he's given up on us. There are many, many ways or paths that can begin to erode our hope in this life. And maybe there's nothing greater that begins to wear on us than just everyday life itself. We wear ourselves out. We get tired. We get worn out. And I imagine there's people in the room and watching online that know exactly what I'm talking about. You just are too tired to focus on this aspect of your life, this relationship. Or maybe there's things drawing you away from it. Maybe you're waiting on healing from a disease. Maybe you're waiting on the results for a diagnosis. Maybe you're straining with all you can to pay off bills, to pay off debt, to make amends for something that went wrong. Maybe you're pouring into your marriage, trying with all that you can to save the marriage that God has given you and you are wore out. Maybe you've been battling COVID or family's been battling COVID and you are just tired. Maybe you're finding it difficult to grow spiritually in this time. And it's times like this, when we feel like not going on any further, that all we want to do really is just give up and relax and just kind of live our life and not bother with this part of it. But I said this last week, and I'll probably be saying this again a lot over the years. Don't you want to see what happens if you don't give up? There's something great awaiting each and every one of us. What's really awesome is Jesus knew this, about humanity. He created us, remember? He knew exactly how we would handle things. He knew you and I would have a tendency to take all of these burdens of life, put them on our back and our shoulders, and try to walk around with them as if nothing was wrong. And he knew that those things would ultimately weigh us down to the point where we would begin to lose hope, even in him. So he spoke to his followers about this exact, exact issue. And it's a really interesting scene because the man John the Baptist is drawn into this scene. We don't know. I, I like to envision this scene as Jesus has gathered this group of people around to, to teach. However they got there, we don't know, but they're there. And I like to think that John's disciples have already kind of worked them way into the crowd. You see, John had sent his disciples. John was in prison, and he'd sent his disciples to go ask Jesus a very important question. Even though Jesus and John had met, and I'm sure they'd had conversations, John's now hope was beginning to fade because he was in prison and he probably had an inkling that he wasn't going to get out. And so he began to wonder about this Jesus. Is it really Jesus? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. That's where we're going. If you don't have a Bible, grab one off those seats under. If you got your phone, your tablet, whatever you use, it doesn't matter. Whatever you can use to, to highlight those things. So Jesus is there speaking and whether he's been talking or whether those disciples of John the Baptist just walk up, we, we don't know the situation exactly. But they're there and they ask Jesus a very important question. We'll begin in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds, the things that was happening with the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, I can't question John's faith at all. The man's in prison. He's about to be beheaded. He doesn't know that yet. <laughs> but he's in prison, and he's waiting for the Messiah. He's been preaching his whole life now that this Messiah was coming. He's been ridiculed, flocked, beaten, put in prison, made fun of, followed by everybody. And yet here he is, and now he's going, is it time or not? I don't know. Go get word for me. 
Now, some of you know Jesus' reply here, but something I was thinking about when I was reading this text again for this Sunday was, how did Jesus say this? How did he present this information to John's disciples? Because when you and I read a book, there's usually no emotion to it. When we read the Bible, they're just words on a page, right? We just read them like, and Jesus said, go back to John and tell him this. I just don't think that's how it went. Like, I can see Jesus' face light up as the question comes, because he knows his cousin John, and he feels for his cousin John, and he has sympathy, and he, he, he really is in pain for what his cousin is going through, because all he's done is what God asked him to do, and John has followed that to a T. And so I can just see Jesus smiling as the question comes, looking those disciples right in the eye, and calmly and politely and as encouragingly as he could says, hey guys, go back to John and tell him. Tell him what you see and tell him what you've heard. Guys, the blind, never happened like this before. The blind are receiving their sight. Yeah, lots of them. Talk to people, ask. The lame, yeah, they're just getting up. They're just walking off, carrying their mats with them on their way, just going about their business like nothing was ever wrong. Those that have the the disease, the plague of our day, leprosy, yeah, they're cleansed immediately. The deaf, the deaf here. Oh, wait. And the dead, yeah, the dead are actually brought back to life. I know that's a hard one to believe, but tell John, he'll understand what I mean. And oh, yeah, just for John, just for John, I want to make sure to throw this. Make sure he knows that I'm not just talking to the rich people, I'm not just talking to the religious leaders or the politicians. No, make sure he knows that this good news is being proclaimed to the poor as well. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I can just see those men's faces go, wait till we tell John. Wait till he finds out what's really happening. This is the Messiah. So they sent this word back to John, who's in prison and likely will never leave prison again before he's executed by Herod. But John's hope, you see, was in the Lord all along. And these words, these words would have not just reassured John, they would have emboldened John in his message. That's probably one of the reasons he never got out of prison again, because he's like, oh yeah, game on. (laughs) You thought he was intense before. Yeah, he went all in in that moment to keep up the fight, even in prison when there should be no hope. He went all in to keep sharing about the coming kingdom of God to anyone who would listen. Just after Jesus sent word, now we don't know. I I like to envision in my mind like those guys like super excited just ran away real quick to go back to tell John the news. But we don't know. They might have stuck around for the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Jesus got done with that part of it, and then he begins to share some more encouraging words with the people around them. Now, what he already said was encouraging, and everybody would have been perked up by those things. If you skip down just a little bit to verse 28 of chapter 11, Jesus recites these very famous words to some of us. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know what that is, that phrase? That is Jesus' great invitation. To who? All. There is no end to that. To every single human who stepped on this earth after he said it. This is his great invitation. When you're sharing Christ with somebody, this is what you're sharing. Come to Christ. 
Come to Christ. You are weary. You are heavy burdened. You are beat up by life. Come to Jesus. He welcomes you in. And then he goes on to explain, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's an ingredient there. We're not just servants. No, we're learners. We're students of him. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the rest that people need in this world. That's why they wake up tired every morning. It's not the physical, it's the spiritual. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, Jesus is doing a few things in these passages. First and foremost, he's acknowledging that life is hard. <laughs> life is heavy. He doesn't make light of that, especially the life that we choose to live, one with no margins, no room for error, no time even to be with him, it seems. No breaks in our lives. We pack it full. We're hard on ourselves. We work hard to try to keep up with everybody else, to have the new stuff, to do the new thing. We work so hard and we get weary. And Jesus knows that's how we are. Now, he doesn't recommend that lifestyle. He would never tell us to live that way, but he knows we're doing it. So he's acknowledging that fact. So when we realize that we are being crushed by our burdens, we shouldn't feel bad. That's not the right feeling. When we realize that we're being crushed by life around us, we should not feel like a failure. That's not it at all. What we should do is go, okay, I get it. God, I'm sorry. I repent. Here it is. Bring those failures, those burdens, those things directly to him. That's what he's asking for. Too often we face life. We shy away from God. We know what's happening in our life, but we refuse to go to him. Why do we do that? What reasons can you think of? Is it pride? I'll fix this on my own. I am a man. I got this. Maybe it's because it's, it's our fault and we know it. And we're like, God, I messed up. I need to fix this on my own. Maybe we're ashamed or we're embarrassed of whatever's led us to that point in life. Here's the thing that we got to realize we're being really foolish about. He already knows. It's not like we're hiding our burdens from him, right? It's not like, oh, you don't know what's going on in my life, God doesn't work that way. There's nothing we can hide from him. He knows every single thing about you. And he knows every single thing about me. And before you get in your mind, oh my gosh, God knows everything about me. I don't ever want to have anything to do with him because he knows everything about me. Before you, that thought even enters your mind, remember this. He knows every single thing about you and he loves you anyway. <laughs> Take it a step further. Not only does he know everything about you and love you anyway, he knows every single thing about you and he died for you Amen. anyway. You see, because while we are still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. He wants us to come to him. This is that great invitation. We got to remember that. We've got to remember that. He wants us to come to him for strength. He wants to come to him for encouragement. He wants us to trust in him, to rely upon him. It is that great invitation to all of humanity. But there's a second phase to what he's offering here. He doesn't just offer us those things. He, he says, hey, take this instead. What is this? He tells us to exchange our yoke, our burdens for his. Now, many of you know what a yoke is. You've seen it in a history book of nothing else. It's that large wooden thing that you would strap farm animals to to plow or to pull a cart or, or things like that. The yoke would help harness that power, help make it a little easier even to pull those types of things, and it would allow the animals to better submit to the farmer, that's absolutely part of what we do with our relationship with Jesus. The people that Jesus was talking to understood that, but they also understood something else about life. 
They, they were familiar with the burdens associated to submitting to a way of life that was legalistic, that was law-based. They were trying to live up to these standards. Maybe it was religious or, or legalistic, as I said a moment ago. It was a performance-based faith for a lot of people, driven by a, a need to succeed in life. And Jesus was saying, take that yoke, that burden, and exchange me for this one. And this one's full of grace, mercy, compassion, love, and truth. That's a big one. One yoke causes people to get wore out, to be weary. The other causes people to find peace and freedom. So he invites them to remove whatever those yokes they have around their neck and take his instead because it's easy. It's light, he says, and it will give them rest. So just evaluate. Evaluate your life, your yoke, if you will, right now. Is it life-giving or is it crushing you? Are you crushing underneath the weight of all that you have piled on? See, Jesus offers hope for the weary by reminding us that our value is not found in how well we hold it all together when things are tough or how we compare with others around us. No, our value comes only from Him and from the love that He has for us and the grace that He gives us. If you're a believer, if you've ever found yourself struggling to find life in your relationship with Jesus, so we're switching gears here. If you're a believer and you're like, man, I just, I just can't find life, that life that He's promising, I just can't seem to find that. I'm trying to find it. I'm working hard to find it, but I just can't give it. It almost seems like my, my holy life I'm trying to live is actually sucking the life right out of me. You see, a lot of people get to that phase in life and they begin to lose hope. And then they start to think, well, maybe I'm just not worthy of what God is offering here, and that's why he's not giving it to me. And they become weary, and many of those people end up turning their back on Jesus. So here's our advice to you. If someone you know or even you yourself has experienced that, then consider doing what Jesus is asking here. Exchange those yokes. Simply love God and love others. <laughs> Let God handle the rest. You see, you might think you do, but you don't obey God's commands to impress God. It doesn't work that way. He already loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we don't love Him in order to earn anything from Him. No, no, no. We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. It is this love for Him. That type of love compels us or draws us. It gives us the desire to become more like Jesus and to follow his commands. The reward that we receive for doing so, we don't receive for doing so. It's a free gift. It's available to anyone. So this approach, what it does instead, is it allows you to experience a true relationship and true growth in that relationship with Jesus. We trade our yokes. The yoke of law for the yoke of love. So if you find yourself weary today, whether it's because of circumstances that you caused or ones you couldn't, then I want to offer you that hope today. I want to offer you hope for a better tomorrow. You see, in the world we live in, if you watch the news, if you're watching the economy, if you're watching things go along, you are probably becoming the most pessimistic person on the planet. Because that hope is fading in anything of this world. Anything. 
but the hope in Christ is only increasing. I, I, we want to provide for you a hope for a true purpose. If you're found, struggling to find meaning in your life, there is a purpose. It's found in Christ. Hope for a clean slate. Forgiveness is real, people. We have people in this room that have tr- experienced true, real, crazy forgiveness, and they would love to share with you what that feels like. Hope for peace. Hope for rest, because hope is found in Jesus. And when Jesus is here, there is hope. Now, what's interesting about Jesus' illustration here is it also brought in something else, another item that you might not have considered right away. Typically, a yoke would not be worn by one animal. There would be more than one. They would have shared the workload. It's one of the reasons why Back to Church Sunday is such an important weekend every year as we find hope when we recognize that you and I don't have to go through this life alone. There's others alongside. The rest that we find in Christ is best experienced alongside other people. You see, Jesus created the church. It's referred to as his bride, if that helps you understand how much he loves the church, which is full of his people, and it's designed to carry one another's burdens. Paul writes to the church in Galatia about the importance of living in community with one another. He's making his comments in light of the struggle that they're having to avoid sin in this life. But what he's saying here, it makes this a reality, and it tells us how to put our lives in line with this invitation of Christ to live in his ways. Galatians 6, 2 simply says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So if if you come to church and you just do church all alone, all by yourself, I'm just being really honest, you're not fulfilling the life of Christ. You're not fulfilling the way of Jesus. If that's how you're living, we're called to carry one another's burdens. To live in line with the way of Jesus is to be willing to meet the needs of others. And as I said earlier, just like we can welcome anybody to join us, anybody from anywhere with anything going on with the love of Christ, here we go again. When we see someone else within the body of Christ who is weary, who is burdened, we get to come to their aid with joy. It's not a burden to go and assist them, to go and pray with them, to go and help them. We come to their aid with joy because in doing so, we offer hope. It's only available in Christ. Burdens come in all shapes and sizes, and we could probably list almost every burden that exists in the world just amongst us in this room. Some burdens, as we know, are self-inflicted. We cause that. Yeah, that's my fault. I did that. Some people, we can help those people. Those people that, that come in with those burdens that, we might, that the world might look at them, well, that's your own fault. Figure it out. That's the way the world would treat those people. You deserve that. Well, maybe they do legally. But we as believers can look at them and say, you know what? You actually deserve something way worse, but you know what? Somebody else paid the price for you. And let me tell you about that person. You can welcome them in and ease those burdens. There may still be a worldly penalty to pay, but that eternity penalty can be taken away. We can help shoulder those burdens by offering them grace and forgiveness that the world won't offer by offering to help them discover a better path, a better way in life, a better way forward that the world will not pursue with them. Some burdens happen to us, though. We didn't cause them. It might be a divorce that we did not ask for. 
It might be a sickness or disease that was unexpected. It might be a job loss that just hit us out of completely nowhere and is devastating. Again, in the body of Christ, we can welcome those people in. We can ask them. We got to talk to people to find out that they lost their job. They're not just going to stand up, raise their hands, and say, hey, by the way, everybody, uh, I got fired this week, and my family has no way to pay the bills whatsoever at all, and I don't know what I'm going to do. No one's going to stand up and just raise their hand and tell that to you. You've got to be in relationship with people and talk with them and see that there's a countenance about them, that there's something wrong, and go, hmm, God, I need to ask that person what's going on. Hey, how are you? And they'll say, fine, you know the drill. You don't look fine. Are you sure you're all right? Take a little deeper. And then when you do that, you get to carry their burdens by first being listening here and listening for what do they need. Maybe they just need a meal this week or throughout the week. Maybe they need a job opportunity. Maybe they need help financially. It could happen. You listen to God's call upon your life for those situations. He will prompt you to do what is needed for that individual. You just have to be willing. I hope that as we go through this and just continue to evolve as a church, as a body of Christ, that one of the things we can look back on and say, hey, this back to church study, this idea, this is the church we want to be within the group, the community that we live in. We want to be a church that where there's a burden somewhere in our area, we figure out a way to go and to help carry that burden. Because here's the reality. When we leave this place and we as believers go to that place that's hopeless, the moment we arrive, Jesus arrives too. And when Jesus arrives, there's hope for whatever that situation is. When we love one another in this way, we fulfill that most basic law that Jesus required to love God with our whole heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said all the laws of the prophets were fulfilled in those two things. And that is hope (laughs) for sure. A hope that no matter where we find ourselves today, Jesus offers us the rest and peace and we don't have to go through this life alone. Then what happens is we begin to invest in the relationships first here, the relationships that God gives us within his bride, within the church. We begin to become a people that the world looks at and goes, man, there's something different about those people. And they're going to have a hard time resisting that. They'll begin to see our love for one another because we're created to be belong together. We're created to be together. We need each other, no matter how much we push against that. But here's what's even more awesome. When others see our hope and they see our love for each other, they're going to have a desire to find out a little bit more. But when they experience our love for them, then they're really going to be curious. We're never going to be perfect at this. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have flaws. But you and I will see needs arise. And you more than I will see needs arise. And you're going to bring those needs to this body. And we're going to ask God, how can we help meet these needs? And he's going to provide a way. And it's amazing what's going to happen. It's incredible. Sometimes, though, you and I, we need a reminder. You and I need to be reminded that there is someone who loves us, and his name is God. And Jesus, his son, and his Holy Spirit within us is there for us at all the time. And sometimes we need to remind, be reminded that's enough. We don't really need anything else from this world. This is enough. Sometimes we need somebody, and God could use anyone to tell us, hey, you... You need to slow down, and you need to find rest in the grace that God alone offers. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we cannot handle it all on our own, and that's okay. Jesus is here for us. 
So to end today, there's a question to ask. Are you weary? I like that we sung a bit of an old hymn earlier. There's an old hymn that goes along with this. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Those words are no less true today. Are you burdened by life? Come to Jesus and find rest. You don't have to do this alone. We're in this together. And that gives us hope. Use these next few moments however God leads you to as we worship and David shares, and this is just an open forum. You can kneel where you are to pray. You can come up to pray. You can go in there and we'll meet you to pray. Maybe there's a decision to be made in your life. Maybe you never have accepted Christ before. Maybe you're like, man, I've been thinking about it, but I, I've just never done that. I've, I've never been immersed. I've never accepted that gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is offering. And man, today would be the day to obtain that permanent eternal hope for yourself indeed. And maybe you're just like, you know what? There's something about this place, and I guarantee it has nothing to do with the guy standing up front, but there's something about this place that I just think like, this is my home. This is where I want to be. I just, there's something here, and this is, the, this is the family I want to belong to. This is a time to come up and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and I would love to join you at Berea Christian Church and be a part of this family. That's what this is all about. Father God, as we come to this moment in time where we contemplate, or we think about what you've brought us, what you do in our lives. If we're already a believer, we might feel guilty because our, our lives are so busy that we just get distracted, and, and we don't sense your presence in our life. We don't feel as if you're real to us. We, we're just going through life. We seem to kind of be doing everything on our own, and we don't even notice your hand in the background. Father, if we're at that point in our lives, and I pray today we repent. And welcome you back into the forefront and the leadership, the, the lead position in our life as our Lord, not just our Savior, but the one in charge. Father, if we're worried, if we're stressed, if we're burdened by something specific going in our life right now and we've been trying to handle it alone, I pray today's the day they, they come forward and they give it up to you fully. They allow someone from this room to, to pray with them, to pray over them. We don't need to know the details. You do. But Father, just that piece of sharing that burden with someone else relieves so much pressure off of us. Father, there's somebody today that hasn't accepted you yet, doesn't know you, has never made that confession of faith to declare that you are their Lord and Savior, then today is the day that they can claim that hope for all eternity. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your presence in this place. Amen.